Do you remember the 2001 um, Ocean's Eleven movie with Brad Pitt and George Clooney? I'm going to be honest, I went and looked it up and saw 2001, and I thought, oh, it's older than that, because in my head, 2001 is not 22 years ago. Um, but yeah, that's old. Um, apparently, there's a 1960 version as well with Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr. I've never seen that one, but I assume the storyline is the same. It's the story of a group of individuals pulling off a heist at a casino in Las Vegas. And what I love about this movie is the part where Brad Pitt and George Clooney, they're going around and they're recruiting all the individuals that they need for the heist. And then, of course, the end where you get to see the, part that, the parts that each of these individuals play to make the heist happen. Um, you kind of see that every person has a part to play, and the entire heist fails if even one person is missing. Last week, we moved into a, another area within our wisdom of Scripture theme, the wisdom that names we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. The wisdom that names how we fit together as the body of Christ. Now, much of the New Testament names this, specifically Paul's letters, as he addresses the new Christian faith community striving to live into who and how they should be as a community united in Christ. But stories of our connectedness, stories of individuals working together to accomplish a task Stories where every person had a part to play. Um, these stories are all over scripture. And these stories could have been very different if even one person was missing. One such story is the story of baby Moses. We heard parts of Exodus 1 and 2 read earlier, and I have shared this with you before, um, that a piece of this story that I think we miss as we focus so much on baby Moses is the women. Five women to be exact. The midwives, Shipporah and Pua, Moses' unnamed mother, Moses' sister Miriam, and the daughter of Pharaoh. It takes these five women for Moses to become Moses. It takes great courage and faith and cunning for the midwives, Shipra and Pua, to not follow the orders of Pharaoh and to speak so boldly when confronted by Pharaoh. Moses' own mother must have been consumed with fear as she hid her son and then grief as she released her child twice. But her determination and faith um, was that her child will and must live. It moved her to act. Twice in the story, we see the stealth and the wit of Miriam as she's present for baby Moses and for the mother. And then Pharaoh's daughter, well, she had to be open and compassionate enough to receive this outsider child. Five women remaining open to try something, to step into something, listening, discerning, finding their own little piece in the story. And each woman had a part to play. 
And as they played their parts, a life was saved. Moses became Moses. And Moses played a part in liberating the lives of others. Five women within the story of baby Moses and the story of baby Moses grows into the story of the Exodus event where the Hebrew people come to know God as a God who hears, who liberates, who saves. It's all these pieces that make this story happen. And if even one piece was missing, well, the story may have been very different. Now, our gospel story in Matthew is a little more personal. Jesus and Peter engage in a discussion about who Jesus is. And then Jesus calling out Peter to step up, to aid with the work of building the church, the body of Christ. Even though if you know Peter's story, Peter clearly has no clue what he's being called or asked to do, nor could he. But Peter's story carries on throughout Scripture with ups and downs and into the book of Acts where Peter becomes the one calling others to step into this new community, the church, the body of Christ. There's another movie um, I thought of when I was working through this, another favorite of mine, and yes, many of you have heard me share this part of this movie numerous times, but here it goes again. Um, it's in Apollo 13, and NASA is trying to figure out how to reduce the carbon dioxide levels in the spacecraft. So you see this room at NASA where they dump out these boxes that contain the exact materials that are found on the spacecraft, the pieces that they will use to create something to make the air breathable again. One of the NASA scientists holds up a big square object in one hand and a long round filter in the other, looks around the room and says to the team, we got to find a way to make this fit into the hole for this using nothing but that, all the stuff on the table. And then you hear this voice say, well, let's get to work. FYI, if you want to go find this clip online, it's called square peg in a round hole scene. It's a very different puzzle than the Ocean's Eleven one. In Ocean's Eleven, the team knows what they want to accomplish, the end goal, but they just have to go and find the exact parts. But in Apollo 13, the team knows what they want to accomplish, they know the end goal, but they have no idea what pieces they will need, or which ones will work, or how it will even fit together. This is us. As the body of Christ, as church, as community, sometimes we know the pieces we need, the gifts we need, and so we seek out and call upon those with necessary gifts. Most of the time, though, I feel like we're more like that team at NASA. We got a lot of stuff in front of us, and we aren't quite sure how it will all fit together or all work out, but we get to work together as the body of Christ, open to all the ways God will nudge us to be Christ for the world that God so loves. 
I told you that much of the New Testament, specifically Paul's letters, discuss this theme of our connection in Christ, our call to community, to share life. I was reading through a commentary on Romans this week, and it said that living in community is perhaps the greatest challenge to Christian life. Why? Well, people. We are the problem. As clergy, we get asked this question a lot as we meet with our district superintendent and we think about our gifts, our call, and the appointments we may get. And the question is, what would be your ideal appointment? And I have never liked that question because I can't help but think, is there an ideal appointment? But I had a clergy friend one time jokingly respond to, what is your ideal appointment by saying, is there one without people? Living in community is perhaps the greatest challenge to Christian life. Yes, we can all be very spiritual, sitting on some high mountain alone, enjoying a beautiful day and a breathtaking view, or while sitting at the beach, staring out the vastness of the ocean on a warm, sunny day. The challenge... The challenge is living and loving like Jesus in the midst of the people Jesus loves. And this is our calling. Being community, sharing life, adding our little piece so that the puzzle starts to come together most of the times in ways that we can't even imagine. And every piece matters. Today we get to celebrate a baptism, welcome a new little piece into our church family and into the global body of Christ. Baptism is the beginning of a journey where we strive to learn and understand what it means to walk with Jesus, where we learn how to walk with those who have been baptized with us and entered into community with us. Baptism is about learning how to be church the body of Christ, for this world that God so loves. We enter community, a community of believers shaped and defined by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, a community of believers called together to be community for this world that God so loves. Today we will make some commitments to be living witnesses to the gospel individually and together to nurture one another and to include this child in our care, to embody faith, hope, and love so that the one baptized will learn to trust God and live love's service in the world. We make these commitments because baptism is a communal act. 